0: Good morning, and welcome to episode, looking it up right now, 135 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller in Long Beach, California. I'm here with Ben Lindbergh in New York, New York. We have a very full podcast, a full house today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're joined by both uh, Matthew Corey and Paul Sporer, who are uh, joining us from separate residences uh, to talk about the Cleveland Indians. We will later in the show also be hearing from
2: uh, Jordan Bastion from MLB.com.
0: Perfect. Um, so we're talking about the Cleveland Indians. Um, Matt, I just wonder if you could give us uh, sort of the overview, uh, or I guess your general assessment of the Indians' off season and where they are in the competitive cycle vis-a-vis windows and having one.
3: Uh, windows is tough. I I think their off season was i don't know how to describe it in one word but you uh, know you know they went out and picked up nick swisher and i think Goodness, you can use why more would than... you why yeah why you would you describe one... <laughs> it in one word did he did he say i that? don't know
2: he... no, i don't no, think no.
3: so <laughs> please <laughs> please use four words multiple. Than yes thank you all right go on Little sentences <laughs> okay <laughs> um yes they uh they uh, lost a couple guys uh, in uh, Shinsu Chu, who they traded, um, and uh, Travis Hafner, who they let go to the Yankees, um, and they picked up um, uh, Nick Swisher on uh, a four-year, uh, fifty-six million dollar uh, contract, I believe. Um, and uh, that's those are really the, the big moves. Other than than that, they they've kind of they're, they're they're trying to bring guys up from the minor leagues and. They're trying to, um, they've got a, you know, a young lineup and they're, they're trying to incorporate, uh, those, those players, Lonnie Chisholm and, uh, you know, uh, Jason Kitness, Michael Brantley, et cetera, et cetera, um, into their lineup. And I, I, think, uh, that's the plan going forward is, is to, um, you know, live and die with, with those players. Um, the, the other, the other move that they made, which was significant, if, if you believe managers can be significant, is they, they added Terry Francona, um, and uh, he will be the new manager.
0: Um, what, uh, so just out of curiosity, why do you think Francona for a team in this state? I mean, Francona comes from a, a team that was big market and really always in a competitive cycle and competing for World Series. The Indians are certainly not going to be doing that Uh I mean, I, I, I guess not certainly, but they don't, you know, really appear to be doing that this year, maybe next year, and you know, their their competitive cycle is sort of uh, difficult to discern. So, why Francona?
3: I wrote about that for Baseball Prospectus um, when the move happened, and the answer is I don't really know. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really fit, at least from Francona's perspective. I mean, you can understand why the Indians would be interested. Um, I mean, I, I think the. You know, the reason behind it was that Francona has uh, a history with the organization. He knows Chris Antonetti. Um, he knows Shapiro from his time, you know, as a bench manager before he became manager of the Red Sox, uh, our bench coach. Um, and so I think he felt, you know, a level of comfort with the organization. Um, but he he is an odd choice in that, you know, he's used to, you know, like you pointed out, he's used to a big market team. He's used to a team that's spending money. Um you know, on on their roster, uh, trying to win right now. And this is not that team. So, uh, I don't know, Paul, do you have a better answer than, than that?
4: I mean, I, I understand. Sure. He came over from Boston and and considering how great they were, I think, uh, he was below 90 wins twice and still then 86 and 89. But for me, it's kind of like, why not? Uh, why wouldn't a manager want to challenge himself with something like this? Boston until that, that last year, that, that, you know car accident that it was in september was a was autopilot almost right sure you got to deal with some quirky personalities but those are a hell of a lot easier to deal with when you're piling up 90 plus wins a year why don't i get in there get a challenge see if i can help build something with with the ball club i mean you look at this team and sure maybe no one's going to bet on them to win the division or anything like that but uh on paper isn't this team markedly better than baltimore And Oakland was coming, uh, you know, this time a year ago. Their top five is amazing uh, with Kipnis, Brantley. Uh, as Drew Cabrera, Nick Swisher, Carlos Santana. Amazing. He's probably overstating it, but it's really good. I mean, it's, it's really strong. That, the back four is a problem. Reynolds and, and Drew Stubbs are striking out already and they haven't even reported to camp yet. Uh, Chisholm Hall's an unknown. And then Chris McGinnis is slotted in as the DH right now. He's a rule five pick from Texas, but that that top five, that's better than anything that we would have thought uh, two playoff teams would have had coming into the year. The pitching is, is, is where the You know, it's going to kind of make or break things. You talk about the offseason, two under the radar moves after Francona and Swisher would be that Shinsu Chu trade that brought in Trevor Bauer and also the move to get Brett Myers. Uh, A couple of good moves there, plus Carlos Carrasco returning from injury. That could give them a nice uh, trio of pitchers that they didn't have last year. And if Jimenez, uh, Ubaldo Jimenez, and Justin Masterson can do anything, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that can mess around especially in a division that uh, is widely regarded as not great outside of the tigers
2: i was going to ask you about that because i've been sort of on and off working on an article about the it it seems to me like there's a sense that people are taking last year's orioles and a's kind of as the new normal and just sort of assuming that that there's going to be one of those teams or more of those teams every season, which,
4: and I wouldn't do that. I, right. I would, which historically
2: I is, that. is not the strongest assumption. And it, it seems to me like the Indians have been kind of a popular pick to, to be that team, or at least I've heard people say it. Maybe I heard the one person who has ever said it, say it, but,
4: uh, <laughs> no, but there, there's, there, there's been a couple, I, yeah. you know, as an avid podcast listener, I, pretty much run the gamut on them i know a couple people that are really high on them coming into the season and i'm with you on on suggesting that just because we saw two teams do it last year we shouldn't go and try to find those two teams every year but the fact is that they're better so Mm -hmm. if we had oakland and baltimore way off the radar i guess the, the the thinking would be at least elevate this team because we saw what these, what those two teams could do last year and everyone's dismissing Cleveland as a nothing, uh, nothing competitor. And I don't think that's the case. I think there's definitely some, some sleeper potential to this club. And it, you know, it wasn't just Oakland and Baltimore. I'm trying to think right now of teams in the recent past here, you know, five, six, seven years, but it feels like we have a team or two that kind of comes up. Maybe they don't go and win 90 plus like those two ball clubs do, but you know, we see a team that we did not have at the beginning of the year crop up during the season and at least stay competitive. The Pirates did till they faded. Padres that Matt Latos year, mm-hmm. uh, they were in it all the way till the end. So the,
2: the Diamondbacks I, I, may be in that that crazy run differential year they had a few. Years. The Padres, Absolutely.
4: the Padres yes. in 2010. Yeah. Right. So so there so there there does seem to be a trend with uh, one or two of those per year. But yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. We can't just say hey. Two off-the-radar teams won 90-plus games last year. Let's find our two this year. Give me the Cubs and, and Indians for a 1000 bucks a piece in Vegas. Right. I'm not going to do that.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't uh, see where the pitching comes from for that. Um, I'd, not to hijack where,
4: the podcast. But where did they come from with Baltimore? You know, Oakland definitely had that leg up, but Baltimore, they kind of piecemealed it together. And again, I'd say that you can – conjure up a situation where Ubaldo Jimenez and Justin Masterson do what they did two years ago and it's not that far-fetched Carlos Carrasco was kind of an up-and-coming mid-level prospect guy Brett Myers you know not necessarily a great dude off the field but on the field definitely knows what he's doing and then there's a wild card in Trevor Bauer who you know might not do it this year but definitely has the talent to be uh pretty great
0: you mentioned uh Jason Kipnis as part of that top five and Kipnis is sort of interesting because um by baseball references war he was uh basically an all-star level he was about 3.7 i believe and by our warp he was uh worse than average at 0. 0.9 and um it was sort of that way with his first half second half although not really first half but you know early season and the rest of the season mm-hmm. and so he's not all that young he's going to be 26 uh and i feel like we should sort of have an idea of what he is at
4: this point point. and I, honestly i don't really know what he is at this point how, how good is kipnis I think he's pretty good. Uh, perhaps from my standpoint, I might overrate him a bit more as a fantasy uh, fantasy guy who really focuses on that aspect. Because even last year with his fade, and you know, he ended up like you said being around league average for the most part. Uh, 14 homers, 76 RBIs, and 31 steals was huge in fantasy from second base. So maybe I'm distorting it a bit. And I would defer. I'd love to hear what what Matthew or even Ben would have to say about him. Based on that, as I step back, uh, because of my fantasy bias toward it, <laughs>
2: uh, uh, I have nothing to say because you are the Indians people, so you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: yeah,
3: I, I think he has some uh, some upward potential. I mean, I think the issue with him, uh, and, and I won't pretend to know about his his defense, um, but but uh, you know, hitting wise, the issue with him is is his uh, power. You know, is he going to going to hit for any any power consistently, he slugged 379 last year. You know, like like you noted, as a, a 26 year old, um, you know that's fine for for a second baseman, um, but that's not uh, that's not all star. Uh, and, and I don't, my understanding is he doesn't have the you know the defensive chops to to make that all star level. So, um, I I I think uh, you know he has hit for power in the past. Uh, you know in the minors. So if he's able to do that. Um, you know, he, he'll be able to, uh, you know, to, to raise his stock to, to, uh, you know, higher level. But other, other than that, I, I don't see a whole lot to recommend him.
4: Um, yeah, we, we, we've seen the power in spurts, right? We saw it in, in may, may really made his year last year in terms of keeping it from being, you know, automatically below league average. He had an 810 OPS easily his best, uh, month of the season hit five of his 14 homers. And then we saw that, uh, that 36 game sample in 2011 where he had a 507 slugging percentage so when he's on when he's in 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 the groove as as the kids would say and I I know kids everywhere are saying in the groove these days uh so when he's in the groove he definitely has power to be an elite second baseman it's just a matter of what exactly happened last year and unfortunately I don't have that answer all I know is that uh it was not there and he went through spells uh that Mark Reynolds would be embarrassed by
0: I don't think Mark Reynolds would be embarrassed of anything. He's got a, a lot of self-esteem.
4: Uh, anyway, that's that, that's a facade. He really really does it. The strikeouts hurt him. Um, Carlos Santana is um, awesome.
0: He is he is awesome. Uh, and but he's got some durability issues. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the impression is that he's not a particularly special glove or even a good glove or even an average glove behind the plate. If I remember so.
2: correctly, both he and Lou Marson always rank among the worst uh, framers. So having both of them on the same pitching staff seems uh, like not it's, not the greatest it's, thing for pro- pitchers. Yeah, it might be pure pressure. It might be. <laughs> right.
0: um, so, but I, just out of curiosity, how many how many years is he going to have catcher eligibility in my fantasy league if I have a keeper league? I mean, is he going to be uh, – I mean, can you – I guess could could you just sort of chart how many games you think he's going to catch over the next, say, three or four years?
4: Uh, I would I would give him – I would give him something in the 90s uh, to 100 the next two years. So that would keep him, uh, you know, into – 2015 because obviously if he plays it in 2014 he'll have it for 2015 but after that I, I don't i don't see it i don't see it. i think he'll just become uh you know too big and obviously he's already terrible at playing catcher so if he gets any bigger plus as his bat emerges you know they don't they don't they don't need him back there sure it'd be great to get that but he he can have at his peak he can have the bat to sustain first base dh so why not uh pull him out of there as soon as you can You know they did it with Victor Martinez after a while, and I think you know his Carlos Santana's composite ceiling is higher than Martinez's. So I would say we'll see another big run this year, and probably taper off a bit in 2014. So if you've got him in your fantasy league, you should expect him to be a catcher up until at least 2015.
0: All right, so uh, we have. Two predictions. Now we get to hear two competing predictions. So uh, why don't each of you tell me tell me how many wins you think the Indians have in them for 2013, and where you think they'll finish
4: in the NL Central, AL Central. Who's going first? You are. Sweet. I will give them. Uh, I will give them 79 wins, and I think they'll finish second in the in the division there I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be the bad division that everyone expected last year uh hopefully you know the Tigers do extremely well as I projected last time I was on the show uh but then I think White Sox Royals and Indians are all gonna be kind of clustered there around those high 70s maybe low 80s win totals
3: um I'm gonna go with 69 wins and it's not I'm, a lot. no, they won 68 games last year, so I'm giving them an extra game. <laughs> I feel like I got a lot of extras. Yeah, you did. You got more than me. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go 69 wins, and I I don't know whether they're gonna be worse uh, than the Twins or not. They they'll probably be worse than the Twins. Maybe not. Maybe the Twins will be worse than them. The Twins are pretty bad.
2: I like to think that half of the Indians chapter is going to sound optimistic, and the other half, the other half is <laughs> they're the worst team in baseball.
3: <laughs> but things are looking up. The, well, yeah, the, the chapter part that I wrote is kind of that second part. I mean, <laughs> they have uh, three prospects the Indians do in, in the top uh, 100, That Jason Park's top 100, um, and two of them are 19 or under. Both of those guys play the same yeah. position. So mm-hmm. there's not any help coming. The guys that are there are the guys that are there, and our guys are going to be there. And that was a terrible sentence, but there you <laughs> are.
1: Um,
3: and, yeah, I, yuck. That's 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 my one word. You, you didn't ask me for one word, but there it is.
2: You're determined to, to give yeah, us a one-word <laughs> answer.
4: I know, right? That's uh, Francisco Lindor and Ronnie Rodriguez, I believe, that you're referring to. You know, the good thing is that they've got the two guys at the, you know, toughest position in the world to fill seemingly shortstop or at least the best position to have star prospects. Lindor looks like a future star, but they're so far off. That is a good point that you make that if they cannot stay healthy and, you know, maybe they do get out to that good start by Memorial Day, it looks like they're kind of competing or at least, uh, you know, they can trick themselves into believing. So with the second wild card uh, and then injuries start to hit reinforcements are really thin uh, down there in their minors so that's that's a factor although i think we're all discounting the fact that scott casimir <laughs> you <laughs> know coming back so True. he'll probably he'll probably decide it for them and they'll f- thwart the tigers en route to the uh world series Very- he, casimir- yeah he might decide it for them you're right he might <laughs> decide it for them that <laughs> he might i, I mean would, it's,
3: it might uh, he might happen um it, 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 it just might happen the, the second guy, by the way, is... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his... Oh, is it Dorsus? Is yeah, that who Dorsus you were talking about Molino. Okay. Molino. Okay. Yeah. Anyway.
2: Very quickly. All right. Wait. I have a last-minute question that always makes Sam mad at me. Uh, <laughs> can you help us out and tell us who the Indian's starting DH is? And I don't mean... I, I know the answer to this question. I don't mean who it is like who it will be, but literally, who is this person? Uh, oh. Sam and I were just looking at their death charts, and... With Hafner gone, they're starting DH at least against righties. On MLB Death Charts, is listed as Chris McGinnis. Uh, and Sam and I know nothing about Chris McGinnis. Uh, just looking him up, he is a 24-year-old human being uh, who <laughs> has appeared in games at Double A.
0: Didn't he?
3: Didn't he write the usual suspects? Yes. Is that? <laughs> Wasn't that it his was name? During the offseason. during the off season, the off season would have he was drafted very, for the Red Sox. Very. Um, the... And then, yeah, he wrote a chapter each off season. Mm-hmm. Um. That's yeah, impressive. he's he's not much. Uh, he was in Double A last year. Um. So my guess is the Indians are going to come up with somebody else. But that's that's who's there right now. Um, well,
4: yeah, he was a he was a Rule Five pick. Uh, you know, like you said, he's peaked at Double A. You look at the numbers alone, 840 OPS, 23 bombs in double-A, sure, but as you keep panning to the left, if you're looking on, say, baseball reference, you get to that second-to-last column, and it's age, 24 years old. That really puts it in perspective. If you really want to kind of figure out what he is, maybe a a Darren Ruff light, because Darren Ruff really went off the guy for the Phillies that people are trying to dream on as something. When you're that old in double-A, There's an issue so sure. Maybe there was some latent talent that's coming through. I wouldn't bet on it So yeah, uh, he's a non-prospect part of that is the fact that he was in the texas system You know that even if even if kevin had gone 30 35 deep last year with the texas list He probably still wouldn't have gotten to mcginnis that might be more about texas and less about him But he's not particularly special and you know, somebody that's hitting double a at 24 Tells you all you really need to know. So he might start as the DH, but uh, Ryan Rayburn's going to get way too many at bats. Or Ezekiel Carrera. That guy's amazing. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. We're done. done. We've got a
0: theme song coming up, and then we've got our interview with remind me who Uh, it is uh,
2: Pete Barrett's interview with uh, Jordan Jordan Bastion, Bastion, the MLB.com Indians reporter.
0: Perfect. And we'll be back tomorrow with a uh, chapter on the twins. And that'll do it. It may
3: still be winter, but baseball prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The
5: squeeze is on. And welcome to The Squeeze. I'm Pete Barrett. And joining me today on the telephone is Jordan Bastion, who covers the Cleveland Indians' For MLB.com, Jordan, thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, no problem. How you doing?
5: Great, great. Asdrubal Cabrera is a player that's great also. Uh, always seems to be on the highlight reels with his great stops. I know he had a career-high 19 errors last season, but what's it like watching this guy play short on a daily basis?
1: Yeah, he's definitely uh, acrobatic in the field, that's for sure. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he'll add some flash to his defense uh, this sabermetric stuff, the UZR doesn't really uh, favor him very well. He actually rated as one of the worst shortstop uh, in the league last year and the last couple of years. Um, but he makes up for it with you know a lot of flash and a lot of really dazzling highlight real plays in the field. Uh, and he is a pretty good shortstop, especially when you consider what he's been able to do offensively over the last couple of years. So I mean, I think maybe the range there could be something to be desired. He could probably improve. Going to his left a little bit, but there's no denying that this guy can turn in some dazzling plays uh, in the field.
5: Last season may not have gone as
1: planned for the Cleveland Indians. They got a
5: new field, though, now at Nick Swisher, Terry Francona. W- w- what do you think the mood is going to be like in
1: camp? You know, I think they're going to be excited to see what this team's going to be capable of doing. At the end of last season, a lot of the players were as curious as the fan base to kind of see what direction. The front office was going to take this where uh there was some discord in the clubhouse between uh, the, the manager's offense and the uh, players last year that obviously was settled when they brought in terry francona guy who instantly brings you know a lot of respect when he walks in the room and obviously he's won two world series so players look at that and they see this guy's won before and he knows what it takes and you know really they could have gone two ways with the player personnel. I mean, they could have blown this thing up and really tried to rebuild and start from scratch, but it kind of did a, a mix this off-season. They went for some prospects, you know, acquiring a young pitcher like Trevor Bauer, who could be an impact player for the future um, and be an impact player this year possibly as well, but they also made some moves that showed that they still want to remain competitive and, and make a push in the immediate Picture, you know, the big contract for a guy like Nick Swisher, bringing in a slugger like Mark Reynolds, you know, acquiring guys like Drew Stubbs and bringing in some relief options and Matt Albers, Brian Shaw. So, I mean, they've done moves in this offseason to kind of address immediate needs to stay competitive, but they've also kept an eye on the future. And I think players are pretty excited that the team took that approach as opposed to doing a complete overhaul.
5: We'll get into a lot of the guys you just mentioned, but do you think there's a potential danger there when you're kind of mixed in philosophy between the future and the present? Or because the kind of guys they got this offseason weren't uh, too – you didn't really have to overpay too much for them, do you think they're okay?
1: You know, the one thing that is interesting with the Indians team is a lot of people were in in the mindset, you know, whether it be from fans or some media types, that they should – to a complete rebuild and you know sell a lot of the guys off but it's still a really relatively young team you know and there weren't a lot of guys who had huge contracts who were coming up on free agent years you know a lot of the guys who you'd be talking about trading away are guys who still are under control for for at least another two seasons so it's kind of an interesting situation it wasn't a team that was at a point where it really made sense to sell off some, some aging veterans who have some some big contracts. Those big contracts were coming off the books. And a guy like Travis Hafner, uh, who was a free agent, they paid him a buyout and he signed with the Yankees recently. You know, they don't have that big money deal on the on the books anymore. you know. So really, it, it was interesting. I think to be able to stay young and keep that young core intact and kind of supplement it with some veteran guys uh, who have some experience and can address some of the holes that they had, which was right-handed power. A guy like Reynolds solves that. You know, their ability to hit left-handed pitching last year was pretty poor. Um, Avila's kind of helps that a little bit as does Stubbs and Swisher. You know, and their pitching obviously was a big question mark. And, you know, they think they've answered some of that by bringing in Brett Myers, taking a flyer on a guy like Scott Kazmir. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And I think they kind of did the best approach. That um, I think it's the way they should have done it.
5: From all accounts, the Indians made out pretty well in the Trevor Bauer deal. Um, and it it seemed like maybe just things weren't going to work out with the D-backs and possibly the manager Kirk Gibson. Um, what did you what is your sense of that situation and why they didn't get along?
1: You know, I think sometimes in a lot of cases it kind of sounds cliché that, you know, a guy could benefit from a change of scenery, but really when we had our first press conference and and sit down with with Trevor, you know, he really came across as an easygoing, friendly guy and I'm sure they prepped him pretty well and, and, and made sure he came across that way. But you know, he's conversational and you know, obviously he's a very analytical guy and you could tell that he had some personality quirks um along the lines of being very analytical and being kind of alone or you know he talked a lot about that, how he didn't have very many friends in high school and things like that. So I mean it's I think it was just a personality clash of a young guy who who came up to the majors uh and maybe Acted the way he thought rookies were supposed to act, keep to himself. And, and maybe there were mixed signals about uh, his personality, and, and maybe he came across a little arrogant, or, you know, we all heard about his, uh, his long toss program, and maybe people viewed him as being a little bit of stubborn, uh, things like that. And there may be some truth to that. But at the same time, he's getting this change of scenery. He's coming here with a clean slate. Um, and from our interaction with him so far, uh, he's been great. He's been good to deal with, and I think if he can turn the page and what happened in Arizona and realize his realize his potential and talent, I mean, the Indians may have got something pretty special there. You
5: mentioned earlier that he has a, a good chance to be on the big league club this season. Is this a, a situation where he can win a job in camp?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's four spots that are kind of. Um, lined up right now, three for sure between Ubaldo Jimenez, Justin Masterson, and Brett Myers. Sam McAllister, uh, the Indians have kind of made it known that he's got a leg up on the rest of the competition for a fourth spot. That leaves the fifth job open. you got a guy, Carlos Carrasco, who's coming back from Tommy John's surgery. He could be facing an innings restriction this year, so he'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, Bar is in that mix. So was a guy like Corey Kluber, who made a dozen starts on the team last year. As I mentioned earlier, Scott gets here in as a non-roster invitee, or if he can show any flash or semblance of his former self, I mean, that would be a godsend for the Indians. But Bauer definitely has a chance at taking that fifth spot out of spring training. Uh, Indians have made it known that he might stand, uh, he might benefit from some further de- development. So he could start the year in the minors, but he'll be given every chance this spring to, to win that fifth spot.
5: You mentioned the top of the rotation has some big names in Ubaldo Jimenez and Justin Masterson, but as all Indians fans are well aware of, these two haven't put up great numbers recently. Ubaldo lost 17 games last year and had a 5.40 ERA. Is there a reason to think that either of them will perform better in 2013?
1: I think just history should tell us that they'll be better next year. I mean, it can't really get much worse. Uh, and I think just the law of averages should say that Masterson and Ubaldo will be better this year. I mean, I know that sounds pretty plain and simple, but I mean, really, think it's hard to imagine them being as bad as they were last year as a duo. Um, they both really regressed. Masterson, at the end of the year, talked about how last winter when he was coming back from a, a left shoulder surgery, he really didn't have his normal off season, and he never felt comfortable uh, on the mound throughout the season. He didn't want to use that as an excuse, but it was a reality of his situation. So this winter, the hope is he had a normal off season, his normal routine. Maybe he can come into camp, attack spring training like a, like a normal year, and maybe be closer to what he was in 2011 when he was one of the American League's breakout starters. Ubaldo, I mean, we've gone through a bunch of pitching coaches now, so there hasn't been that continuity there. But the new pitching coach who they hired, Mickey Calloway, Made a trip to the Dominican uh, over the off season after he was hired to meet with Dubaldo, talk about mechanics, things like that. Um, as of right now, he's not pitching in winter, uh, sorry, the World Baseball Classic, um, so he can focus on his season coming up, things like that. I just think Dubaldo has what it takes to be a good starter. I don't think you're going to see what he was in 2010 again, but if he can get somewhere between what he was there and in 2011. I mean, the Indians could have a decent starter up at the top, eating innings, but it has got to find that strike zone, strike zone more consistently. That's for sure.
5: One thing I want to try to do is I-, I talk to beat reporters around uh, the nation. Basically, is get your feel on the World Baseball Classic. Uh, what do you think about, uh, about about the classic?
1: I love it. I mean, from a from a, if, I, if I'm speaking from a fan's perspective, this is something where when I was a kid, I would have loved this. I mean, I, I always loved watching baseball when it was in the Olympics growing up. Um, and I always loved, you know, seeing just that whole country versus country thing. I'm not a big soccer guy, but I always really appreciated what the World Cup was about and, and kind of how emotional fans got and things mm-hmm. like that. And so when they started this, it was really intriguing to kind of see how this would develop and what it would turn into. And I think the players, a lot of the players do actually like it. I mean, you talk to a guy, I've talked to guys like Chris Perez and Vinny Pistano, uh, Indians relievers, who are both taking part with team USA. Not only did they feel honored to be suiting up with their country, but they're excited, you know, to take part in this and, and see what team USA can do. I, I don't think the teams are as excited about the world baseball classic. I think, you know, in the Indians case, they're sending two of their top relievers, at the same time, away from spring training, um, when, and they're going to get in a competitive environment where they're naturally going to be, you know, ramping it up a little bit. Where they might be going a little easier in a spring training setting. You know, starting pitching, there's always concerns about guys getting away from the, the team personnel and away from the, the programs and things like that. So, you know, as long as it's handled appropriately with managing guys' workloads and managing the innings and the preparation for the season, uh, you know, I think it's fine. But I mean, as a fan, you gotta love it. It's a great environment. Um, and it's fun games to watch for sure.
5: I love it. I'm actually gonna go try to catch a game down in Florida. But Jordan, we're gonna continue to follow your coverage of the Cleveland Indians uh, throughout the year for MLB.com. You do a great job. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, no problem, anytime.